Inside Westminster, Chapter 232, Cock a Hoop. Mandy Swinton Eagle had played a blinder. She'd finally bagged her man, legitimised her son, and delivered the most decisive poke in the eye to that hateful turncoat Benedict Morgan and all done in secret so that the whole media cohort had been caught off balance, off guard, and with their trousers embarrassing round their ankles. And bizarrely, this great nation was happy, happy that the PM, for all his many, many flaws, was wedded to his girlfriend, the woman who had ensnared him those few years previously, happy that sweet, sweet baby Hector seemed to have sealed the deal on their future together, and happy that the PM was back on his usual rambunctious form after the year from hell. Mandy had been indifferent to Tony Hancock, health secretary, even though she'd been bumping into him in the corridors of Downing Street throughout her sojourn there, exchanging pleasantries about niff-naff and trivia. She'd formed no firm opinion of the man. She even described him as beige man to her mother, Angelica, who'd been asking about him, her hero, throughout the pandemic. Oh, Mumsy, Mandy had replied, getting a tad fed up with her mother's queries. He's not the only one fighting Covid. There's a whole team have been working tirelessly and without a break. I know, dear, Angelica had replied, but he does give the marvellous impression that he's the only one pulling all the levers of power. Which is precisely why Ben hates him so much, Mandy commented to Potty after having recounted to him what her mother had said. Mandy felt that her mother was a fair test of Middle England's opinion, so it was worth reporting her comments back to her bear. Thus, Mandy had felt a surge of indignation at the way Ben had attacked her beige man during that interview. Ben's such a shit, Mandy had barked at Potty the evening of Ben's eight-hour tirade. I mean, Matt Shrove's name wasn't even mentioned, not once. I can't remember, but wasn't Matt a dove along with Ben? Or were they, or were they hawks? Anyway, as usual, Matt's avoided all the fan-spewed shit that's been flying around. Potty had just rushed upstairs for a quick bite to eat between Zoom calls, so hadn't been really paying attention. He just harumphed, stuffed the last morsel of baguette into his mouth and dashed off. See you later. Mandy's voice trailed off. At least I have Hector, she thought, and a nice bottle of bubbly to enjoy. She'd decided to sort out the wedding photos, pack her dress and return it to the upmarket wedding dress hire agency and choose her frocks from the, their catalogue for the impending Cornwall frolic and photo shoot opportunities. Midi and feminine with no cleavage, friends had advised. And she'd been happy to listen. Was she growing up at last? So spent an hour or so scrolling through the agency website. And in all her wedded bliss, Mandy never cast a thought to the one she'd ousted. The one who should have been basking in the glory of what a 25-year marriage should have produced four healthy children, and time to reflect and enjoy the fruits of joint marital labours. But no, this certainly was not a fair life in which its players get their just rewards. Sophia Mowbray-Dick had been dreading this day for years, 
the day her wayward ex-husband would slip a ring onto someone else's finger, the day he'd vowed to honour this woman and bestow on her all his worldly goods. Well, at least, at least that's not something to be jealous about, as I bet he's amassed the square root of bugger all in his 56 years on this earth, she'd said the morning of the wedding to her mother, Daphne, who'd called in on her daughter's London house to give her moral support. To give him his due, retorted Daphne, he did give you fair warning of the shindig. Sophia harumphed and gave no answer, as she'd become overwhelmed with raw emotion at the unfairness of it all. How are the children taking it all, quizzed Daphne. How do you think, replied Sophia shortly. Just asking, dear, her mother said, only if there's anything Dad and I can do. I know, responded Sophia, calmer and now in control of the tears, which had been on the brink of spilling forth. Thanks, Mum. I honestly don't know what I'd do without you both, and Venetia and Casper too. Don't worry, dearest, Daphne said, adding, it's what we're here for. Sophia put her hand over her mother's, which had been resting on the kitchen counter. Bless you all, she said, with genuine emotion in her voice. Daphne said, I know. Let's arrange a get-together for the family. Are we allowed yet? Sophia replied hesitatingly, Do you know, with all the lockdown rule changes, I honestly don't know. And with that, both women laughed, which Sophia was pleased about, as she hated any atmosphere or crosswords to come between herself and her dear parents. No, none of this had been their fault. Nor the children's, Sophia had thought, later on in a deep, relaxing bath. And yet they, all, and me, are paying a terrible price for what sins I'm not sure. No, life was simply impossibly unfair, with almost no justice ever dispensed to the perpetrators of such unnecessary misery and torrents laid upon the innocents.